0: This is Tom Cosgrove, and you're listening to Friars on the Farm podcast. Welcome to episode 180 of Friars on the Farm podcast. I'm Donovan, and with me is Roy.
1: 180. Have we, have
0: we what, turned all the way around? Well, you know a little bit about today. is going to be about a 180. And instead of talking about primarily minor league baseball stuff, we're going to be talking into going to the winter meetings. Uh, some signings from the Padres, and uh, what a um, beautifully stressful postseason. Um, God, it's just it's hard, man. It's hard to watch these games and
1: and not just go through the roof. Now, we haven't spoken, I think, since the Dodgers series. It's been a while. Yeah. So how were you feeling as they were going through the Phillies? So what I was thinking, once the Padres got past the Dodgers, before before that series— I just kind of wanted them to have another game at home. I wanted to see another right. home game. Right. But then all of a sudden, it's like, holy cow, they have a chance to beat these guys. And then once they did, then you start. Then I was starting to think they got a chance to go as far as they can go. Right. And, you know, unfortunately, that, that round was as far as they went. Uh, but this team showed a whole lot of guts and moxie and w- whatever words you want to put in there.
0: Absolute moxie, because I really feel, for me, I feel that the team kind of over- overachieved i mean running through 200 win teams um but that's the beauty of the playoffs you know the uh for the second year in a row a team that didn't win uh what a uh, hundred games no 90 games last yeah, they year were 80 80 something wins was the phillies yeah and then last year the braves i don't think won
1: 90 games or were just over 90 games right uh went to the world series one of them won it yeah, and then you go back before COVID, you had the Nationals, and they they kind of limped through the whole first half and got yeah. hot the second half. I love the inclusion of extra teams. You know, yeah. whoever's hot at the end, they're the ones that deserve to win the tournament. You know, yeah. you, you play the regular season to get to the tournament, and then and then let's go. Absolutely. I mean, I
0: think two of the Giants, uh, two of the Giant World Series started with a wild card. I believe the Angels, when they won, the World Series back in 2000, God, 2008, four, Four, like it's so long ago. Um, They were a wild card. So having to so now with their new wild card and having to be a little quick three-game series, it's even a little bit harder. So I really think that the Padres, you know, obviously relied on pitching and timely hitting, but I think they kind of overachieved a little bit. And I hope that Preller sees that. And we need to bolster this lineup, which we'll talk about here in a
1: minute or two. Oh, for sure, yeah. And also, they were incredibly fortunate with healthy pitchers. Yeah, um, they had you know, they had, what six or seven pitchers that that all went more than twenty starts. I mean, they had incredibly fortunate health with those guys, especially those four, those five guys up front.
0: Yeah, absolutely. But let's get on to the minor league stuff because this is some big news that you didn't know actually. In t- yeah, until you he- broke some news to me. <laughs> Until you opened up the agenda, so um the the a local group from San Antonio purchased the San Antonio Missions. Um, they are called the Designated Bitter Builder Builder, designated bidders LLC. LLC, A group formed by local San Antonio business executives has agreed to acquire the Texas League San Antonio Missions from longtime franchise owner. Dave Elmore and the Elmore Group. So the Elmore Group also owned the Lake Elsinore Storm. They no longer own the San Antonio Missions. So for the first time since 1980s, the missions were under local ownership, which is really huge. Now this ownership group, um, I'm not going to just the whole list of names, but essentially, uh, it is um, it is the families of owned by the families of Major League Baseball Hall of Famer and native Texan Nolan Ryan. CEO Ryan uh, Reed Ryan and Don Sanders will join designated bidders as owners and operators of the missions. Now, what they plan on doing,
1: I believe they plan on doing in their statement is trying to get a new stadium. Right, and that's something that they've been talking about in San Antonio for a while. Uh, the Wolf, uh, yeah, even when we spoke to um, what's his name, the executive that we talked to last year, Yarborough. Yep. Yes. Burl Yarbrough. He, he was pretty honest about the age of their facilities. Um, and there had been talk about trying to get a new triple a ballpark in there. Uh, but whatever it is, it's a, it's a major city. Uh, it should be a major sports hub. They've got the the spurs and really that's, that's it as far as major league sports go. Uh, but if you can make trip uh double a sports, you know, it's a big deal.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So um, the group founded by the Round Rock Express and built Dell Diamond in 2000 and was founded by, founded the Corpus Christi Hooks and developed Whataburger Field. So those are two brand new fields in, in the, in the Texas league. So they have a history of, of founding teams and, and getting these stadiums built. And, you know, it's going to kind of go along the lines of these better facilities for minor league baseball players and in, in their organizations.
1: Right. So now I'll be curious to see what kind of uh, what kind of plans, proposals, yeah. renderings, that kind of stuff, because, you know, that's going to be right around the corner.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And and I think with with this group and it being local, that they have a lot better chance, uh, a, a lot better chance of getting this stuff done, particularly if they fund up a lot of that money and ask very little from the city. I don't know what any of that plans is, but them being local, I think would do a lot more than, you know, have the Elmer Group, who's been is fantastic. Um, kind of go in there and say, hey, hey let's build a stadium. But it being kind of a local uh, group that they might have a little bit better uh, chance.
1: Right. And having a name like Nolan Ryan that everybody knows. Right. I mean, and right. they've been around Texas. They understand the politics. You know, they're going to get some stuff done. I was thinking
0: for a second there, it was
1: the, um, it's not It's not the Round Rock Express, they're,
0: they're, but it's the uh, Frisco Rough Riders that have the, uh, the uh, Lazy River in, in the outfield.
1: Oh, I love that. <laughs> I might have to go check that out sometime. Hope yeah, my baseball definitely. travels take me through Frisco. <laughs> so that's that.
0: And that's really exciting. So we're going to see how that goes over for the next few, you know, the next season and going into the future with uh, the future of San Antonio. Um, the next thing on our agenda here is El Paso unveiled their 10-year anniversary uniforms.
1: It's it's amazing. It's been 10 years that they've been the yeah. Chihuahuas already. Yeah. It it feels like it wasn't that long ago that that the Padres were moving Triple A back to El Paso, and then what's the team name gonna be? Because they were the Tucson Padres. Yeah. How exciting is that? You know,
0: um you know who's with the Tucson Padres was uh God dang it! um he just signed with the Yankees again. First baseman. What's his name? We hate this guy. Well, we don't hate this guy, but you well, um I know, right? <laughs> it was almost someone brought up. Someone brought. I think uh, Sean Casey on MLB Network brought up that he could be a Padre. Rizzo, right. Anthony Rizzo played in Tucson for the Padres.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, there was talk about him coming. I never saw him coming back to San Diego, especially once they slapped the qualifying offer on him. That yeah. pretty much limited it. Like, mm, I don't think he's going anywhere. But anyway, the Chihuahuas, they unveiled these new uh, new uniforms, new hats, and it's all gold. It's all white yeah. and gold. And it blings and yeah. it looks awesome.
0: Yeah. I love the jersey that looks like the Padres Brown jersey with the gold, uh, the gold name in the front. Looks kind of like the Padres jersey here in San Diego, where it's the solid brown with the Padres across the chest. Looks just like that. I'm not sure if it's one of the road alternates or or whatever.
1: When they previewed it, they showed the little, just a shot of the swinging swinging Chico.
0: (laughs) Also, just off the top of my head, Chico
1: won the Mascot of the Year Award. It was a mascot video. It was for a video that he made, something to do with his adventure with the dryer oh is that what it was okay yeah
0: there it is right there yes chico <laughs> versus the dryer the mascot hall golden reggie but it's funny how with if you see he's got a washboard stomach in that when he takes the shirt off oh yeah chico's ripped you kidding me he's an athlete
1: <laughs> so that's really so, cool that, best, that is really cool. Uh, best minor league skits yes Um, so now the chihuahuas they didn't just release that they also released their whole marvel thing so they've got the their little alternate defenders of the diamond and it's a buffed up chico with flames and spikes on his collar and they've got all kinds of merch they got hats and shirts and stuff i'm sure they're gonna have some fun jerseys having to do with that Um, and at the same time the fort wayne tin caps they came out with their marvel themed logo yeah. and it's uh it's johnny appleseed but he looks like a superhero and he's got this like this green thing on his torso and he's rather than having the tin cap on his head he's got it in his hand like it's a weapon
0: oh yeah it looks like it's funny because he looks like looks like a superhero i yeah. love the chico, the chico looks cool because he looks like um I know you play a video game and you get like a, an extra level and your guy turns into fire and you can just blow through a section of a of a whatever on a video game that looks really really cool
1: well he's ready to blow through the pcl west or pcl east whichever division they're in Uh, absolutely so that that in the last kind of bit of, of minor league news we
0: have here um jackson merrill had you know a phenomenal a phenomenal uh arizona fall league i was supposed to go out there i just could not pencil it uh financially and uh, we're trying to do some things. I'm trying to you know, make it to Fantasy Camp. Well, pay for Fantasy Camp, which is a whole other thing. Uh, but um, is
1: Fantasy I, Camp still on the horizon? Because it is have, on the you horizon. You still haven't
0: done it, right? It is. No, I, I pushed it off two years. Actually, COVID killed it one year, and then this last year they had it. Uh, they gave you an opportunity of doing it this year, which was at USD, um, or pushing it off till 2023. And it actually being back in Peoria with a full slate of games in Peoria.
1: Right. No, give me the full experience in Peoria. I,
0: yeah. I wanted the full Monty. Um, and li- really, Liddy wanted the full Monty because when, you know, <laughs> when they kept pushing it off, I'm like, okay, honey. I and mean, we can ask for our money back and, you know, we can do something good with that, with that money. She's like, no, we're going. <laughs> well, I mean, you've or been saving up for that for years. Yeah. yeah. And it's been like. Oh, every year it's been like, oh, that's your Christmas present. But we're not, I'm not going this year. It's,
1: yeah, it's a lot of money. It's your Christmas
0: present. Well, now you got a brand new,
1: you got a new hip on you too. So now you can actually get out there and fly with the guys. Well, that
0: being said, I do have a new hip. I am pushing off my next surgery until after this. So in in February, it's the uh, third week in January. I'm going to have it done in February and then that's it. My my baseball career, I don't know why you guys need to know this stuff, but I'm pretty sure my, my rec league baseball career will be over. Is that your other hip? Yeah. Yeah, Okay. Right hip was done in 2020. My left hip's going to get done in 2023 and I'll have two brand new hips, but essentially it's still really tough for me to play ball every Sunday, even though it's, it's just me literally getting up there, hitting and then, you know, doing my best Glenn Hoffman to first base, no matter how far I hit it. It it just, (laughs) I just going to jog over to first base runner and that's it. Um, do they have you play in the field? I would have to play the field occasionally. Um, no more outfield. I'm an outfielder. I'm a left-handed guy. Um, I would play first base or second base. And still, like the last time I played first base, just the back got so bad. It was just it just got so painful that I I like, I'm like, hey, I, I can't do this anymore. It's oh man. Not healthy.
1: Um but you'll have to save up all the good energy, all the good vibes, and all the good uh all the good uh ibuprofen and all that. For That glorious week in Peoria,
0: yeah, and then they can have the trainers out there, they're gonna have the stretch guys, the strength guys. I'm like, give it me everything. I want the, I want the uh, what is it, the commercial with um, uh, the uh, jazz bath (laughs) (laughs) and the whirlpool with a jazz bath. There you go. All right, well, let's get enough of that stuff. Jackson Merrill had an incredible uh, Arizona Fall League, 19 years old. Uh, And this is what the scouts thought of Jackson Merrill who really impressed
1: this year in the AFL. So this article is from the athletic, right? Yeah. And so the writer picked out 10 prospects who most impressed in the AFL.
0: Yes. So number one, Jackson Merrill, there used to be a competition for the title of best Padres prospect, but mass, uh, but the mass exodus to Washington in the Juan Soto trade leaves Merrill more or less alone. Good thing for the Padres that he's one of the best prospects in the game. Through his fall numbers weren't stunning, 261, 316, 352. Um, In 22 games, no player generated as much positive reviews from the scouts as the number 27 pick in the 2021 draft. Most scouts are salivating over him, one scout said, and even the low guys think he's good.
1: So that quote right there, even the low guys think he's good. I wasn't sure quite what to make of that quote. What it what it said to me was that the guys that are usually low on players that are in low A or kind of haven't proven themselves, they were impressed. Um, how, how did you read into that quote?
0: That's pretty much it. The guys that, you know, if you read evaluations from different organizations or different kind of uh, publications like Baseball America, like you're like, everyone's really writing a lot about this one guy. And then you see someone like Baseball America, they're like, well, he's, you know, he's got a long way to go. And then, and kind of the low guys. So um, prospects are prospects. And we know more of that now with the trades that they've done. Uh, they're not nothing until they actually show up. Um, I think the same thing, basically. Yeah.
1: Okay. So in their first extended look at Merrill, who was limited to only 45 games at low A this year due to a wrist injury, evaluators saw a player with a projectable body and a field to hit. Only 19, Merrill stands at 6 foot 3 and 195 pounds, carrying himself more like a 22 year old than a teenager. He'll fill out more, but not in a way that leads scouts to think he'll have to move off shortstop at the plate. The left-handed hitter shows signs of good plate discipline, as well as the ability to spray the ball all over the field. The power they think will come. Now, what they say there about how he carries himself more like a 22 year old than a teenager. Yeah. They're talking about just the, the body language, the the maturity that he presents. Um, and if you had a chance to get up to Lake Elsinore, I mean, you would see that in person that he, really, I mean, he was a leader on the yeah. on and off the field for that yeah. team. Meanwhile, being one of the youngest guys on the field.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It hasn't yet, and what it hasn't yet, and no one's predicting home run titles for Merrill in the first in the first place. He'll have to get the ball off the ground more often. Merrill had a 59% ground ball rate in low at low A, but could wind up hitting 15 to 20 homers a year. Put the whole package together, and another scout said, Merrill's got a good chance to be really, really good.
1: Now ground ball rate at low a I and mean, he's a long way from the majors he's yeah. probably uh, two or three years away and there's a lot of adjustments that may come plus it's also a small sample size yeah. I and mean, how many at-bats did he have in in single a it wasn't a lot and it was also interrupted by an extended uh injury and then rehab in in uh in Arizona. peoria, in peoria yeah. so it makes me wonder you know, did that Did the ground ball rate change? Was he putting it on the ground a lot early? And then when he came back, he was getting in the air more. Um, I can tell you in the playoffs, he was hitting fly balls all over the place. He was not putting it on the ground. It was line drives and there was at least one opposite, you know, Oppo Taco home run to the deepest part of the diamond at Lake Elsinore.
0: Yeah. I, I think that is a small sample size. And plus he's 19 years old. It's his first full season in, in professional baseball. So he, he basically did this year on what skills he has to the ta- that he brings to the table, right? You know, with not a lot of adjustments throughout the season, or you know, any, any instruction that happens during the season takes a while to kind of make, you know, kind of put into practice. So I, I you know, it's a phenomenal year at 19 years old making the making
1: the, the Arizona Fall League and then doing well. Right, and so I mean, they talk about the st- the slash line in the AFL two sixty one, three 316, 352. That's nothing to get excited about. But again, he was nineteen years old. He's only played in low A, and now he's in the AFL where you've got guys that are double A, some triple A pitchers, you know, people that are knocking on the door, and a lot of guys get sent to the to the Arizona Fall League, kind of with the intentions of okay, let's show these guys. Because we have got the Rule Five Draft coming up, we've got trades, the trade season, and all this. I'm not saying that Merrill is going to be a a trade candidate at all. I'm what I'm saying is, you've got really talented guys in the Arizona Fall League, and he still held his own at age 19, never having seen anybody above single A.
0: Yeah, and one of the kind of the things, kind of knocks that I noticed of watching a lot of him play this year, or at least some of it in the uh, in the in the uh, AFL, a lot of singles. You know he's making contact, so that's that. That's is either the knock, and also it's kind of a kind of a good thing. He had twenty two games, ninety eight plate appearances, eighty eight at bats. He uh, had twenty three hits, one double, two triples, and an HR. So lots of singles, lots of contact. But once again, nineteen years old, get, getting to the AFL with a high level of competition just getting on base is is huge and just hitting the ball and making contact is huge. So there's lots to like about Jackson Merrill. He is our shining star of the, the minor leagues right now, and he should be up in, in Fort Wayne next year.
1: Oh yeah. I'll be surprised if he doesn't start the season in Fort Wayne. Yeah. So All right. So moving on, we've got the, the winter meetings coming up um, and the Padres have already started to get the hot stove heated up a little bit um i mean we started off by hitting free agency and you know obviously you've got will myers and brandon drury and you know all the guys that left via free agency but the padres didn't really take very long to turn around and bring a couple guys back
0: no they didn't and i thought it was really really kind of telling of what the padres need and they need they need pitching they need to shore up these guys and the padres signed bob i like what they call the bob bob suarez to a five-year, $46 million contract with an opt-out after three years. And it could be closer, than he could be the closer in the future if Josh Hader becomes a free agent after the 23 season. Now, a lot of people started talking about maybe they kind of overpaid for him because the lack of experience in Major League Baseball. But what Preller did is he he kind of gave credit for the six years that he spent in Japan as a closer. So we kind okay. of he kind of factored that in to the contract and literally just, I mean, really came on the scene during the playoffs this year and put a name out for himself. And I don't think they overpaid. A lot of that contract is incentivated. Uh, There is a base salary, but I think it's a great sign.
1: Oh, yeah. And he's so he's 31. He's going to be 32 by the start of next season. So he is a little bit on the older side, but that said, he's at his peak right now and he's able to touch 100 miles an hour. He's got he's got a couple of off-speed pitches and he showed it this year that that first start or the first outing kind of wiped that away. And then yeah. after that, he was just an absolute force through the whole rest of the season. So it's easy to remember the one pitch that he threw to Harper in the playoffs and that one starting where the outing where he got ripped in the beginning, but in between he put on an absolute a beautiful display of baseball throughout the whole season. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he is the closer of the future. I mean, cause you can't figure that they're going to sign Josh Hader to an extension. Yeah. He's looking to cash in. Yeah. You look at what Edwin Diaz just signed for. I mean, there are some big contracts going to relievers. So that five year, $46 million doesn't really, I think by the time you're halfway through that deal, you're going to see contracts that are eclipsing that and like yeah. double. So the next Absolutely. on the list is Nick Martinez. So coming into the offseason, the two people, everybody was like, okay, they got to bring back Nick Martinez. They got to bring back Robert Suarez. And they checked both of those boxes. There was like a five minutes there where we were afraid because Martinez executed his opt out, right? Which was kind of a procedural thing. Cause it was whatever Friday at five o'clock and there's the deadline. So yeah, I'll opt out, but obviously they continued talking and they came up with this incredibly convoluted contract. So he's got a three-year deal. It guarantees him $26 million, but he could opt out and make $42 million, or he can opt in, and I'm not sure exactly how all that works. And then today, Dennis Lynn came out, and he said what the whole incentive structure was, and that's a whole other confusing thing. Yeah, so I, I like it. look back at last year's deal, and, and if he pitched the same the same usage that he did last year, he would have earned another $1.3 million dollars based on the incentives that Dennis uh, outlined. So the Padres hold the club option for that would pay him $16
0: million for 24 and 25. a potential reward. If Martinez pitches well as a starter next season, Uh, if the San Diego declines the club option, Martinez can opt out and become a free agent or exercise a $8 million player options for 24 and 25. So the, the, the kind of the, the incentives there are for the number of starts, the, if he continues to start, and I think a number of innings pitched if he becomes a reliever. So it, it's, I kind of like that flexibility in the contract where, Hey, if you're a starter and we feel we need you to be in the bullpen uh, based on either performance or just we, someone else came out, you know, we signed someone else that's a little bit better. That's baked into the contract. So it, it kind of gives him guarantee, you know, gives him flexibility and guarantees with money. So, I mean, he did phenomenal out of the pen last year and was lights out during the playoffs.
1: Well, and talk about, talk about motivating a player. I and mean, they took this huge sack of cash and threw it up on the table and said, that's yours. You want to be a starter, prove you're a starter, and yeah. that is yours. And yeah. then they put a bunch of other stacks on the table and said, okay, if you pitch this many innings, you make this many starts, you finish this many games, all of these can be yours. And it's just, I mean, go get it. And so the, I haven't heard a, a, a spoken interview with Nick Martinez, but I've read some print interviews with him. And I mean, he was high about coming back to the Padres. Yeah. He loved the team. He loves the city. He loves the fans. Uh, and being a member of the bullpen crew, I love that because he's one of the more personable guys coming out of the bullpen. He always smiles and waves and, you know, it's got personality, but I mean, he was a heart and soul for this team. He was in, half the home run pictures he's goofing around with everybody right. but at the same time he's got the work ethic and the 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 maturity to hold everybody accountable i mean yeah you, the guy checks all the boxes you want that guy back plus he's willing to do whatever he can do to get to help the team win whether it's starting closing middle relief whatever you need me to do and there's somewhere, how many times did you see an inning, inning catch
0: in the outfield that him just go like yeah just like go off with like excitement and I can't say it on, you know, F yeah, let's go, you know, it will just the fire that this guy has. So this is what Dennis Lynn wrote. And if you guys can understand this, and I'm sure it'll sound better when I read it. So Nick Martinez contracts includes incentives for both starting and relieving game starts 500 K each at 10 game starts GS 15 game starts, 20 game starts and 25 game starts. So once he hits 10 games, 10 starts, 500,000, 15, another 500020 20, like in five five game increments. Relief appearances, 100K after 10 RAs, relief appearances, 20 relief appearances, 200K each for 30 relief appearances or 40 relief appearances, 50 into 60. And um, last
1: year he had 37 relief appearances.
0: Yeah. Exactly. Uh, GF, 200K for each 10 GF. 15 GF that's
1: games finished
0: games finished.
1: So whether it's a save or just getting the final out of the game. Yeah.
0: And this is the guy who bet on himself coming into the major league baseball this year anyway. So he's not, he's not afraid to bet on himself. It paid off this season with the Padres and it's going to pay off here in the future. Hopefully next year, take us deeper into the playoffs and super stoked about this. Just really excited.
1: Yeah. And, and uh, Suarez's contract has a couple of similar kinds of, of options Built in there too, so I'm really curious to see the free agents that Preller brings in, or in whoever, whatever else they work. What kind of creativity they do with these contracts?
0: Well, I thought I had it here on the agenda. I think I took it off last minute, but the Padres met with
1: Jose Abreu, Jose
0: Abreu, and Kodai A- and Kodai Senga, Kodai Senga. Yes. Now, now Kodai oh. Senga pitched with Robert Suarez, pitched with Nick Martinez. Uh, is is close friends with um. With, with you, you Darvish. Garbage. yeah we, he's like his mentor I, you know i i kind of feel that's it's exciting and you know it it sounds great i'm not sure if we're gonna be able to afford that guy i'm not sure if we if, if it if it fits our budget now what dennis lynn wrote and i kind of agree with is we may go over that first round of uh the ceiling i think it's what two is it two thirty five two thirty five like, we'll go just over that, but we're not going to go much more over that. And and signing, depending on what his contract would look like and how many years and at what annual average value, uh, I'm not sure if it's a good fit financially. Would love to have the guy. But once again, how many times have these guys signed um, major league contracts and just kind of fizzled out? But, you know, Nick Martinez said that he has the stamina and the stuff to be a major league pitcher. But that's just a teammate looking out for another teammate.
1: Um, so the luxury tax number in 2023 is going to be $233 million. There is a surcharge on the uh, on the first $20 million that they go over. And then the surcharges escalate for each $20 million above that. So I think they're looking at that first window between $233 and $253 that they'll wind up landing somewhere in there uh, because you still need – First base corner outfield. Yep. You need one more starter. You got to fill out the bullpen and then you need depth players.
0: Yeah. You know, with the resigning of, of Brandon jury um, and looking at Jose
1: Abreu, you're like, what do you think about the Abreu talks? I love it. I love it. You need somebody who's got some power, uh, but he hits, he hits for high average. He gets on base a ton, pretty good fielder at first base. Uh, Everything I've heard about him off the field is like, he's just, he's a a leader. He's the, 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 the veteran Latin, presence in the clubhouse and he's beloved by the guys in the in the white Sox clubhouse Uh, so it sounds like he checks all the boxes that we were hoping that our last first baseman checked Uh, he didn't wind up paying panning out Uh, but i also like that because of his age he's probably looking for a two or three year deal right and that kind of fits things as well
0: you know and you put him in the middle of our lineup i mean that white Sox lineup is pretty tough but they had some injuries this year so they didn't they kind of maybe a little underperformed uh, but you put him in our lineup <laughs> in between, you know, Juan Soto and Manny Machado, like he's going to see some pitches. He's going to hit more oh, yeah. than 15 home runs. Um, you know, the, the 300 average and people don't talk about 300, you know, average doesn't mean anything. Well, we'll look at like a Trent Grissom this year, how he, you know, he just struggled throughout the season and it was noticeable.
1: Um, so well, hitting and, and those, with... those strikeouts are such rally yeah. killers. Yeah. you know, If you get somebody that at least puts the ball in play, yeah. it makes it productive out even, yeah, that's so much more valuable than just going up there and swing and swing and swing yeah. and go so walk I back think, to the dugout.
0: I really think if you put him in our lineup, you know, that that, that home run totally goes up. Also, the ballpark's a little bit smaller here. Like there's you know, PETCO is a little bit big. Um, the Dodger Stadium is a little bit big, but playing in, in uh, I think it's Consolidated Credit Stadium. I can't remember exactly what it's Guaranteed called. Guaranteed rate. Guaranteed rate. That's a big ballpark. The only, game i've ever been to was uh, a white Sox game and they gave away a little small
1: abreu plushie oh so do you it, still have it, it? It, it oh yeah i do it's right here Hold oh <laughs> may, may have to get a a new outfit for the plushie put put jose white Sox jose abreu in a little padres outfit number, maybe we we'll have to find a uh find a seamstress out there on padres twitter yeah, oh, can you yeah. see that?
0: Well, you guys can't see that. <laughs> turn those, turn those black pinstripes brown. Absolutely. But right, with, with the age, uh the, the contract wouldn't be too maybe a little bit higher uh average value, but it wouldn't be a bad idea. I don't know how we're gonna bridge that gap between him and going forward the next couple of years. There's no one in the in the minor league system. You got Taylor Callway, um that that could come up and, and certainly fight for a bench job. Now,
1: uh, If we don't sign Drury. Hey, flags fly forever, you know, yeah. so fake worry about a couple years down the road. Worry about that when the time comes. Yeah, Preller's, Preller's got to do what he's got to do to get this team right back to where they were this year and hopefully a step farther. All right, so, yeah. so we've got some other, some other house cleaning to do. So the Padres non tendered Jorge Alfaro and Efren Contreras. Uh, they did tender contracts to Josh Hader, Tim Hill, Adrian Morahone, Jake Cronenworth, Austin Nola, Juan Soto, Trent Grisham. No surprises there. Yeah. Uh, they agreed to a one year contract with Jose Castillo. That means they're avoiding arbitration completely with him. Um, and then they selected the contract of Tom Cosgrove. So let's step back to Efren Contreras. Were you surprised that they non tendered him?
0: yeah well he just you know he was injured last year and it took him the year before in 2020 he was injured um and he spent most of the year in fort wayne and just couldn't put it together um i think he made it a double a maybe even got up to triple a i i i just remember seeing a lot of him in fort wayne and it just the years caught up to him and the eligibility caught up to him and and they got you know it, it's it's what happens with with minority guys, you know, with injuries, that gives them back a year, two years, and then all of a sudden they're up for a free agency.
1: Right. And so Madfriars pointed out, I'm not sure if it was uh, David J or John Coniff that was, that was on the account uh, pointed out that if he continued on his current track, he would be into his, uh his arbitration years by the time he would make it up to the majors. Yeah. Hypothetically, like he's at least another full year away. And so he'd be, already getting a raise by the time he gets there. Cause he's collecting yeah. major league service time by being on the injured list. Yeah. Um, and so by, by non-tendering him, there's the, uh, the, the hope that he signs back as a minor league free agent, uh, which is what happened to Jose Castillo. Um, and then they were able to bring him back into the fold and kind of Put off that arbitration escalation of salary by a year, so there's a chance that he might come back. Uh, You know, I was hope I remember watching him in Lake Elsinore back in what was that 2018 2019 and looking at a guy that was electric and the way he'd get pumped up and everything like yeah there were a lot of things to like about him yeah but then tommy john happens and you know life gets in the way so you know and i really want to him if he doesn't come back but i hope he does i really wanted to talk to
0: him and ask him about him and his wife having the restaurant in fort wayne oh right remember like the i was like we got to reach out to him <laughs> just to ask the question like, do you guys really have a restaurant there? Um, but moving on to Jorge Alfaro, and, and this is a tough one because he had the record breaking five walk off hits or walks this year and really just in god, endeared himself to our to us, to us Padre fans. Um, but it is a business, and we have Luis Camposano just waiting for playing time begging to get more playing time and we non-tenered him so that doesn't mean he's not going to come back that just means we're not going to you know essentially it kind of does but we have to say goodbye to guys that we like and it's it's kind of the business of becoming a, a you know a championship team is letting some of these guys go
1: unfortunately yeah um he was Uh, projected to make about $3.6 million in arbitration. Um, And so to be the backup catcher, that's a lot of money to put to that kind of a position. And he didn't play a whole lot the second half. He had a a knee injury that he was working his way through, Uh, but even still his performance dropped off. And at the end of this year, he was hardly getting any playing time at all. Um, And you can ask questions as to what happened. Did something change? Who knows? Campusano came up and he got some play. So great for him. But it it was pretty apparent by the end of the season that Jorge Alfaro's time at San Diego was coming to a close.
0: Yeah, and that's um, this is one of the questions I have. He didn't see one at bat during the playoffs. No, and
1: neither did Camposano.
0: Yeah, Austin Nola. They like, and I thought that was a little. I mean, it was a lot to give. You know, it it was really a a show of what you know the work that Austin Nola has done this year. uh, And he was hot. He was hitting, but I thought maybe you would want at least. You know, give these guys in that
1: bat, maybe a game, give uh, Nola a breather, something. Yeah. I'm uh, Nola was doing great all postseason, so yeah. credit to him. But, yeah, I mean, you got to figure you give somebody a break or a, a pinch hit at bat somewhere. Yeah. So well, then the other news, Tom Cosgrove, friend of the podcast. Yeah. Welcome to the major leagues. He's big, right on the doorstep now. Big league, boy. Yeah. <clears throat> We're super excited for that
0: guy. We, uh, we talked to him back when he was in high A. Uh, back in 2018. when 2018, uh, back when like that was our first year. Um, when uh, God, when <laughs> when, when Lake and Storm were a high affiliate, um, solid kid, really, really has you know stuck with it and performed well enough to get put on the forty man. This this year with the winter meetings is the, if the is the uh, rule five, and you know he's gonna come on board. He's gonna contend for a uh, for a spot in the uh, in the uh, in the bullpen. More than likely, he's going to start in AAA, but certainly going to be one of those guys that could see some innings next year if there's an injury or if there's a need for a guy to come up from AAA, which there's going to be.
1: For sure. Yeah, he's another guy that was, uh, he had Tommy John, so lost all the 2020 season, came back in 2021. Up until that point, he'd been a starter in the Padres organization. Uh, But since then, he's been working in relief. Uh, Exclusively and been doing really well. Uh, So this year he made 28 appearances in El Paso and 20 appearances in San Antonio, Uh, had a 2.45 ERA in San Antonio with a 0.974 whip um ERA is a little higher in El Paso but you kind of have to discount some of what happens in El Paso but overall he had a really good year and he's earned this um the one name that didn't get added to the roster that some people were possibly looking for was Tirso Ronellas yeah um and I wasn't surprised to see him not protected for the rule 5 he's not really the kind of guy that that you see chosen in the rule 5 draft right
0: he's really he's still young he's 22 um, but international signing, you after five full years, you become a free agent. So I don't think they're they're not going to protect him. He probably won't be chosen. Um, there's still a lot to like about Tierso Rinaldo, but kind of he he kind of just didn't put it together. He just none of that power came. Um, none of these expectations that we put on this Adonis of a body. Uh, has kind of fruition. That's kind of a bummer because even back when, you know, three or four years ago, like this guy's gonna be a major leaguer. He's gonna be an absolute stud. Struggled in high A was sent to, you know, was sent back to, uh, Peoria
1: kind of found his groove again and then COVID hit. Right. Well, we'll have to start keeping an eye on the Mexican winter league. Um, see if he's yeah. playing down there. Uh, and what kind of numbers he might put up uh, because you kind of use that to spring into a good start to last season. Um, who knows, maybe he'll do something like that again. And by the, by this time next year, he will be somebody we'll be talking about a lot.
0: Yeah, he was in, the, he was in the AFL this year, but just didn't,
1: uh, you know, didn't, didn't blow up. No, no, he didn't. But you know, he still has time. Oh, absolutely. All right, so tell us what's next on our agenda. So the next is basically
0: the nuts and bolts and the business side of uh professional baseball and just the minor league transactions.
1: Oh, no, um, no, no. You're skipping right past the winter meetings. Oh, that's right. Yeah, we're going to we're going to cover we're going to be bringing <laughs> you the winter meetings almost live. Almost live
0: on a nightly basis um the, the winter meetings are at the Hyatt Manchester Grand Hyatt downtown, uh, December fourth, Sunday through Wednesday the seventh, where they have the Rule Five Draft, and that's kind of the the cap of the winter meetings. Uh, I'll be down there Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. Uh, Roy will be there in the afternoon. I'm lining up interviews with uh, tons of people, tons of guys that we want to talk to. I'm not gonna not gonna jinx it by saying any names, but I'm also gonna be asking some of the um, some of the higher profile names that uh, I may see in the in the hallways. Um, when I'm alone and by myself, and I can ask him nicely and kind of beg and plead, I'll uh, give me ten minutes of your time.
1: Um, Donovan's um, been putting together notes for everybody. God, I've got eight pages. <laughs> you guys should see our our Google Docs. Six different right now. people, and and I don't. <laughs> you know, it's funny because I
0: don't like. This is not what I do for a living, so I don't know what I'm going to ask. A Ken Rosenthal, like
1: how. Hey, dude. What's up? How are you? <laughs> you know. Yeah, but at least if you got a couple questions in your back pocket, then you're not caught, you know, totally flat-footed. Because you much. never know who you're going to run into. I mean, like right. Jack McKeon was standing down there smoking a cigar yeah. in the in the lounge last time we were down there. I mean, you never know who you're going to see. And we ran into um, we ran into the Hall of Fame um, writer Jason
0: Stark. Jason Stark, who said, you know, when we first asked him, he was like, ah, "I'm going to a meeting right now." So which was fine. It was nice. And we're like, okay, that was a blow off. That's fine. Literally found him later on. He's like, oh yeah, hey, let's talk. You know? And then it was like, we talked to him for four or five
1: minutes. Couldn't have been nicer. Absolutely. And that guy's in the hall of fame. Right. So the guys like the Jeff Passans and Ken Rosenthal's, they're bouncing around like a ping yeah. pong ball. Yeah. I, and they are so busy and their phones blowing up. And I'm sure that they've got the invites to all the special little stuff that's going on upstairs. Yeah. Uh, but a bunch of guys are just kind of hanging out and mulling around. You never know when you catch somebody in that little five minutes that they've got yeah. free. And they're like, sure, let's shoot the bull. I'm going to have all that. I'm going to have one walk around with that gear in my pocket. I'm also curious to see what other broadcasters we wind up running into. Cause I remember last time there were there were video booths and radio booths from all yeah. these different like we were talking yeah. to the guys from the Oakland A's, their yeah. streaming broadcast, and like the New York Mets had their whole thing. And yeah. it's just it's fun walking around and taking in the whole scene. Absolutely. I uh and I ran into
0: in like the corridor, I ran into the Viva baseball, Viva La Baseball. Right. And and it was back when they were doing Twitter live segments for hours on end. Um, And I'm like, oh, I love you guys. I I watch you guys on Twitter. And she's like, oh, yeah, what size do you wear? I wore that shirt yesterday that they gave me in the 2019 winter meetings. Ah. I still wear it. Um, And that's kind of the fun thing, too. Just kind of, you know it's great to get these interviews and I got some really cool things lined up for, for, uh, for, us, for people to talk to, but just kind of, it, it's the, um, it's the networking, it's the uh, putting a, a face in a, in a voice to a, to a Twitter handle that you've interacted with on Twitter for years. Um, Believe me, we're not journalists. I'm not a journalist. I'm a, you know, I I'm in food service. Um, And this is, you know, this is a, uh, this is a hobby of ours, but allowing us this opportunity to go do that, to you know to swim in the deep water of major league baseball um journalism is cool because we do know some of these guys like I can't wait to see Sam Dijkstra. Um Jay Jaffe I I I tweeted earlier this week, he'll
1: he'll be there. Be able to oh, shake because right, you weren't able to meet up with him when he was in town. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I remember. Last there's time- also the minor league side of things. I haven't heard yet if they're going to have a similar layout. Like last year, it was at the Hilton Bayfront yeah. where they had a lot of the the minor league stuff going on, and then the convention center was where they had the the Peebo and the 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 convention. The what do you call it? The tra- the trade show. The trade show. All of that stuff. I don't know if that's all going to be the same kind of scale, or or if it's yeah. rearranged because now major league baseball and minor league baseball are one entity. Um, and then there's also union stuff that I'm sure is gonna be going on because yeah. they've got the negotiations right now. They're talking about the the labor agreement between minor league baseball and um you know their new labor, what do you what do you, whatever their new union is yeah. called? Yeah.
0: It, well, they're part of the major league baseball players association. Yeah,
1: hopefully um, we can talk to a couple of people that are wrapped up in that. I, I do I
0: have my I have some Irons in the fire. Um, I, I'm not sure how much we're going to get out because they are currently negotiating. So I'm not sure if they're going to talk to anyone, uh, let alone uh, you know some podcast guys. Uh, but I do talk to, I, I emailed Kevin Slack, I emailed Harry Marino. Uh, Harry Marino said, I'll give anything that you need to Kevin. Kevin Slack is in the communications part of the Major League Baseball Players Association. I worked with those two guys on the um, Fair Ball campaign up on
1: Lake Elsinore. Like here, I wonder if Garrett Brocious is going to be down there.
0: I, I'm not sure, but he was involved in, you know, he 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 quit um, Advocate for Minor Leaguers to really full time commit to the uh, the class the the case that they ruled on earlier this year. So he had to kind of step away from the organization so we can concentrate fully on really doing the the groundwork uh, to get this union
1: going with the with a case against Major League Baseball. Well, we wouldn't want to talk to them about the specifics of what they are negotiating and what they aren't negotiating. I'm more interested in just kind of the nuts and bolts of how does this work? How did this whole thing come about? Um, Where are they at right now? And, you know, what kind of timeline or whatever uh, they think they might have out in front of them? Um, But you never know who we're going to talk to. I'm excited.
0: I'm excited. And it's really fun because I I just kind of walk around with a cup of coffee in my hand and just look real serious. And. You know the occasional hey 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 hey. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I I think until I make it, dude. That's how I did it last time. That's how I'm doing it this time. Um, you know, AJ Castleville will be down there. I, I I um, I want to talk to him about what you know what he knows in in the minor leagues. Also, maybe Dennis Lynn, maybe try to corner him and get him to come on the podcast. He's never come on the podcast. I don't know if that's in the athletic kind of thing. Um, but he's not just-
1: much of a he's not much of a of a video or audio. He's uh, kind of a person. He's purely a print media guy, but you know But know. he
0: does go on the Darren Smith
1: show, and and so, you know,
0: I talked to him in spring training, and maybe just that's enough for me, just to kind of chat and catch up with him and AJ Casteville as well. I don't necessarily, you know, if they don't want to talk on on the podcast, just kind of talking with them, kind of catching up with them and uh seeing where they're at and how they are with their lives is is fun enough for me. And then it's Katie, fun saying what's
1: down. up to Bernie Wilson too,
0: right? Well, he's got a brand new hip. Uh, we've been messaging on Twitter because he just got his hip replaced.
1: Oh, right. He, Last week. Yeah. He had
0: hip, he, yeah. So I don't think he'll be, I'm not sure if he'll be in line to come down there. Like three weeks out of surgery for a hip replacement is not enough time for him unless he's in a wheelchair really to go walking around a large hotel, you know, chasing AJ Preller.
1: Right. And he's got the kind of tenure and he's never been the kind to be like right in the middle of the scrum. He just kind of sits back and and does his thing, his associated press thing. <laughs> he's got a he's got a pretty good spot.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: All right. Well, let's take it home here. Um, we've got some minor league transactions to to catch up on um, Yeah, you know, this time of year. It's unfortunate. We hear some names that leave. And this year is particularly interesting to me because a lot of these guys that are leaving are people that, were some of the first people that AJ Preller signed yeah. either out of the draft or as international guys. Um, so Robbie Podorski retired, speedy outfielder, uh, had a really good start to the year in AAA. And we could say that about a bunch of the last few years. And yeah. then injuries just cropped up. I know he just had a little baby this year. So he's retiring, moving on to start a family. So best wishes to him. Yeah. Um, and then electing free agency. Right-handed pitchers: Brandon Kinsler, Heath Philmeyer, Jesse Schultens, Evan Miller, and Jacob Nix. Uh, Grant Gavin, Henry Henry, Austin Adams, and Matthew Swilly. Austin Adams was uh, he was designated for assignment right yeah. before the non-tender or the uh, non-tender deadline or whatever, um, and he cleared waivers and opted for free agency. Uh, left-handed pitcher Luke Westpaul, uh, catcher Webster Rivas, and first baseman Kyle Martin um which of those names stand out to you the henry henry is
0: really uh, J- jacob nixon henry henry and obviously a friend of the podcast evan miller evan miller we were talking about earlier this year he was having a great year in triple a and we were thinking even talking to his dad like he might be knocking on the door for a major league for a major league call-up now this just because they elected free agency doesn't mean they're going to go to another organization it just means they're they're able to right to the right. And he a lot of guys, I mean these guys back. wait a
1: long time for this yeah. because somebody like mm-hmm. Evan Miller, uh, there was no rule five draft last year, and he had a pretty solid 2021. Yeah. Uh, being a reliever that can, you know, throw mid to high 90s, that's somebody that another team might take a, a flyer on and let yeah. you know, let's see what he's got spring training, and maybe he'll make the major league roster. Um, so if things were different, he might have found a roster this year. Um yeah, it's uh, that's the thing with being in such a, a deep organization as the Padres, at least where they were a year ago. Yeah. Um, and then Henry Henry, he he finally started putting it together as a reliever. You know, they shifted his role into relief, and he had a really good year this year. They they shifted his role back to starter. So the the past, he made seven
0: eight starts in Double A this the last part of the season,
1: and right. really
0: starting to kind of put it together. Um, I've seen some pictures. He's in, he's in Japan right now. Um, I don't know what he's doing in Japan, but he's wearing Padre gear while he's out there. So, you know, that's, that's the workout gear that he has. I I don't know if that it's anything other than that's the workout gear he has. Like once again, I think they're going to re-sign Henry Henry. I think he's really close, um, to becoming a starter. At least that's what they're trying to do. Jacob Nix was huge. I mean, through everything the kid's gone through, um, coming up, making a couple starts and, and then just having that incident happen in spring training, that was really unfortunate and him kind of trying to turn things around.
1: Yeah. That was while he was rehabbing from Tommy John too. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a real big name
0: that, that I just thought, wow, that's tough. Also, a lot of these guys may sign with another organization that they have a better, clearer shot at the majors. So right now the Padres don't have a lot of depth in, in triple a, not a lot of um depth in double A. So these guys can sign back and that could be their path back to the majors, or they can sign with another organization where they're like, hey, you know, you're gonna pitch and you're gonna start here in triple A, but we're certainly gonna need guys coming up during the season. So it all depends on where these guys get the most chance and the biggest chance or opportunity to make it to the majors.
1: For sure. Yeah. And that's something I kind of hammer on Twitter that, you know, people are like, okay, we've got five starters. We're done. And it's like, no, no Ooh. teams use like 10, 12 well, guys easy. to, to start throughout the season. Um, You know, some of them come and go you know, waiver claims and that kind of thing, but even still, and then on the relief side, you look back at some of these teams that they've used 30, 40 pitchers throughout the course of the season. um, And so there's an opportunity for some of these guys, if they want to mm-hmm. come back. But if they want to go find greener pastures elsewhere, then happy trails to you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then one final piece of news: the Padres have made one minor league signing so far. They signed Bobby Malaki, uh, right-handed pitcher. Uh, he's 26 years old. He was drafted by the Nationals in 2018 in the 38th round. Um, and then was signed as a minor league free agent by the Twins in 2021, pitched in their organization the second half of 2021 and all of this year. Um, His father, Bob Malackey, threw parts of eight seasons with the Baltimore Orioles, the Indians, the Royals, Mariners, then spent 19 years as a pitching coach in the affiliated minor leagues. He's still involved in the game as a pitching coach for the independent Idaho Falls Chuckers. So that's, he's got some pedigree to him. Yeah. Absolutely. And you know, he's got to have some knowledge, having a dad with that kind of knowledge. So yeah, who knows, you know, and Bobby Malaki's another you know, guy that wears glasses. You know, I got a soft spot for the uh, <laughs> the guys with the gogs. the gogs. I'm not a glasses absolutely. wearing person personally, but you know, there's something about seeing so a picture on the mound wearing a pair of glasses that I don't know, something, there's some wild thing or something right, that harkens right. deep within me. <laughs> It's something
0: about a guy who has to be very pinpoint accurate, um, needing um, assistance with vision. You know, it's the whole glass. It's like, why, you know, right? why do you need to wear glasses? You're a pitcher. You shouldn't, you don't need to.
1: Yeah. But that's exciting. Hey, but some <laughs> of those guys have Coke bottle rims and they can still go right. out there and get it done.
0: <laughs> that's exciting. You know, here, kind of wrap it all up with, with the major league squad and these, in the depth, like there's very few, there's a lot, but in the same time, that roster is pretty much set. That lineup is pretty close to being set with Fernando coming back. You have maybe two guys that we need in the lineup and then another one or two uh, as a bench roll. And once again, we've got guys like Matthew Batten that, that could be pushing for a bench role. Um, Taylor Callway, who certainly needs to be given consideration for a bench spot. Aggie Rosario, Aggie Rosario. Another guy. Who um you know he just plays third base, but he plays short as I think he plays short as
1: well. He plays short and second base, yeah. Yeah, <clears throat> you know, yep. so there so, are some guys. Yeah, if you go to a, a website that I use a lot is on FanGraphs, they've got a, a page called Roster Resource. Uh, it's actually ran by a guy named Jason Martinez who's here in San Diego, uh, but he it was an independent website for years, and then he finally got pulled in on FanGraphs, and they do a really good job of catching a lot of relevant information on the active roster but also um, a lot of the notable prospects in the minors so if you go down there and you kind of scroll around you get a pretty good idea of what kind of depth the padres have right now and there's there's not a whole lot at the upper levels so a couple of injuries happen and who's going to be able to step in in that in that case Um, especially on the pitching side and that's where you see these minor league free agent signings and you never know they they go out right. there and shove for a couple of months, and then something strange happens and next thing you know they're they're getting it done that's that's what happened to Brandon yeah. Drury this year. He yeah. only had two offers for minor league free agent deals, and he finally turned it all around and now he's he's set for a big paycheck absolutely
0: all right, so let's let you guys get out of here. You can find me on Twitter at SDDonovan. Donovan I am at zippy underscore t m s Go padre let's go. To the magic of the moment I'm